This is the day uh, that the Lord uh, has made, and we might as well rejoice and uh, be glad in it. If you're just glad to be in the house of the Lord, go ahead and put your hands together and give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. What a joy, what a joy it is to be here today, and already we feel the power and we feel the presence of the Lord uh, even in the sanctuary, uh, even now. And uh, we feel his presence permeating uh, throughout our hearts today. And uh, what a joy and uh, what a great, great honor it is for me to be here with you today. And I'm indeed delighted uh, and excited to have been invited to be a part of what the Lord is doing in this time and this season where this church puts a laser sharp focus on advancing the gospel uh, here at home and around the world. And I want to just say thank you for the great, great uh, investment that each of you have uh, put into my life, and I'm incredibly grateful to see so many faces and so many individuals that have poured uh, into my life and poured into my ministry, and I am indeed uh, grateful and thankful for you and standing on your shoulders, and uh, it's a great joy to be with my friend and your pastor, Pastor Jason. Give it up for him and let the Lord know how much you appreciate uh, him. And uh, great, grateful, 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 and incredibly grateful for Kim Margrave and the dear friend uh, that she has been over uh, the years. I want to invite you just in the brief moments we have together today to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. I want to invite you to take that verse this morning, sit it on a shelf today, and as you sit it on the shelf, I want you to admire that verse I want you to see the beauty of that verse, and in the moments that we have together, I want us to have a greater appreciation for that verse, and I want you to take that verse, and I want you to do like they do with recruits in college football, and they do with athletes. They bring an athlete to the stadium, and when they're really trying to recruit that athlete, they'll bring them to uh, the basketball arena or the football field, and they do something that's just not fair. They take the jersey of that team and they put the jersey on the athlete so that athlete can see themselves in that jersey. And today, I want you to put on Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, and I want you to see yourself robed and, and suited up in this verse. When you have it, shout amen. amen. Hear this word from the word. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we're incredibly grateful and thankful for the great work that you're doing here at Clearview Baptist Church. And Lord, today to be a part of advancing that work for the glory of God and Lord, in the moments that we have together to proclaim your word, I pray as always that your name would be glorified, that your people would be edified, that sinners would be evangelized, and most of all, that Satan would be absolutely horrified. Would you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, would you let those be acceptable in your sight? Because, Lord, you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And Lord, most of all, let us leave here today more in love with Jesus at the end than at the beginning. And we ask this in the strong, powerful name of our soon-returning King Jesus. And we all said together, 
Amen. I want to tag this text this morning with this thought in mind. I want to preach about outside these walls. Outside these walls. The first century church was devoted to living out the great commandment, and they were devoted to fulfilling the great commission. They put a laser-sharp focus on preaching and teaching and reaching and witnessing and put a laser-sharp focus on praying. In fact, the Bible gives us detail on what they were devoted to in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' preaching and teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and they devoted themselves to prayer. They were efficient and they were effective because they were focused on winning every person for the Lord Jesus Christ in every town, in every city, in every state, in every nation. They believed that people need Jesus and that people need Jesus now. There was an urgency for the gospel to be advanced at home and around the world. The book of Acts reminds and teaches us that we are called to take the gospel to the nations and the neighborhoods. You see, the local church is not simply an organization engaged in religious work, but rather we are a divine organism. We are a living gathering of God's people. The church is not a building, even though we meet in the building and we facilitate activities in the building, but the church is a body of believers. The church is not a business, even though we engage with business practices, but rather we are the bride of Christ chosen by the Father to engage in advancing the Great Commission at home and around the world. The church is not a financial institution, but we are a family of believers. We're our chief shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he provides an under-shepherd to give guidance and to teach us and to encourage us with all wisdom and knowledge. In fact, Jesus knew better than to ask you and I to build the church. In fact, Jesus said this. He says, I will build my church. And then he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The book of Acts gives you and I a front row seat into the life of the early church. When you study the book of Acts, it's not far into the book of Acts that you realize that there is a common theme that is woven throughout the entire book of Acts. You notice in Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 7, the church is witnessing in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8 through Acts chapter 12, the church is witnessing in all Judea and all Samaria. In Acts chapter 13 through Acts chapter 28, the church is witnessing through all the earth. You get the point? From Acts chapter 1 all the way to Acts chapter 8, the church is engaged in witnessing. So how did they do it? How did they start and sustain such a movement that this movement is still going on over 2,000 years later. I believe that they were able to start and able to sustain a movement because the church understood the power of getting outside the walls, getting beyond the brick and the mortar. And brothers and sisters, today is a reminder for us that every church and every believer is called, commanded, and commissioned to move beyond the walls of the church. See, Christianity was never meant to be confounded by the four walls of the church. Yes, Jesus preached in the synagogue. Yes, Jesus did miracles in the synagogue. But oftentimes, Jesus not only hung out in the synagogue, but Jesus also deployed to the streets. 
When you read the word of God, Jesus ate with sinners. He encountered the blind and the brokenhearted and the demon-possessed. Jesus didn't make people come to church to hear the good news. And by the way, you need to come to church every opportunity that you can. But Jesus did not make sinners come to church to hear the good news. But when you look at Jesus' life, Jesus took the gospel beyond the walls of the church straight to those that needed it most. Hear the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Those who are well, those who are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. The question for you and I on this Lord's Day is, how are you taking the gospel beyond the walls of your home? How are you and I taking the gospel beyond the walls of our church? How are we taking the gospel beyond the walls of our comfort zone? I'm led to believe this morning that perhaps that one of the challenges that we've had in the 21st century church is we've gotten comfortable in our places of worship and the Lord Jesus Christ is beckoning us to move beyond the walls of the church. Because just outside the walls of the church, there's a teenage girl who is pregnant. She's thinking about aborting the baby just outside the walls of the church. There's someone who's addicted to drugs and thinking about taking it all just outside the walls of the church. There's a man or a woman who they're in leadership in corporate America and they're at the place where they're ready to throw in the towel just outside the walls of the church. There's a married couple that's just about to break their covenant because the stress of marriage is more than they can bear just outside the wall. Somebody's money is funny. Their change is strange and their credit just won't get it. Preach, Willie. I'm doing the best I can. And, and, And they are ready to throw in the towel. And I'm convinced this morning that we can no longer play church. We can no longer get caught in the activity trap because what happens inside the church must change the life we live outside the walls of the church because brothers and sisters, believe it or not, our life is outside the walls. Our co-workers are outside the walls. Our family, our neighbors, this lost world, they are outside the walls. And brothers and sisters, if you and I are not careful, we will become keepers of the aquarium rather than fishers of men. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus' last words in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, ought to be the very first priority of every great commission church. You shall be witnesses. To me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, as Jesus is preparing to ascend to heaven, He speaks to his disciples. He gives them a mission to reach and to stretch. And he gives them this commission to win the world to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I really love about Jesus' commission is the Lord Jesus Christ tells us we don't have to be perfect. 
He tells us the qualifications for you and I to be able to engage in this work. You necessarily have to be educated or you have to be rich, but rather the qualification is you have to be forgiven by the blood of Jesus, your sins washed with the blood of Jesus, and you must be willing to reach beyond your comfort zone and reach the world of people that need the gospel. And so what happens when you and I dare to get outside our walls? What happens when you and I dare to get outside the comfort zone? What happens when you and I are willing to move beyond the walls? Well, this one verse reminds us, I believe, of three things that happen. I believe that when you and I dare to move beyond the walls, three things happen. Number one, you will become a new person. Notice what it says, you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, And you shall be witnesses unto me. Do you see those personal pronouns? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall receive power. Brothers and sisters, when you and I are willing to get beyond the walls of the church, we will become new people. The Apostle Paul gives us the greatest commentary on what it means to become a new person in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any person is in Christ, they are a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. About a month and a half ago, I had the honor of doing the eulogy for home going for my grandmother who was 93 years old. And grandmama said it like this, when the Lord changes your life, you won't talk like you used to talk. You won't walk like you used to walk. You don't go to the places that you used to go because the old has gone and the new has come. When you become a new person, you have a new appetite. You don't taste after the things of the world, but you taste after the things of the Word of God. You'll have a new wardrobe. I'm not talking about Louis Vuitton. I'm not talking about Gucci and Tommy Hilfiger or Tarjay, but you'll have a new wardrobe. Every day when you wake up, you'll put on the fruits of the Spirit. You'll put on love, and you'll put on meekness, and you'll put on kindness and long-suffering. You will have a new wardrobe because the old has gone and the new has come. I'm convinced of this that when we become a new person that the Lord restores your soul. Every year I have a birthday, I become more aware of the forgiveness and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That every time we mess up, he forgives us. And when we mess up and we mess up, he keeps forgiving us and forgiving us. And when you mess up and mess up and mess up, he just keeps on forgiving us and forgiving us and forgiving us. In fact, the reality is it's all of our lives are a mess this morning. But I've got good news for the people of God this morning. You can't spell Messiah without spelling mess. He is the Messiah. He just keeps on restoring our soul. He renews our mind. So much of what we have going on in our nation is stinking thinking. And the Apostle Paul says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. But he also does something else when we become new people. He reprograms our database. We live in a culture that has been discipled by cable news and social media. Garbage in Garbage out. And and constantly, we need the Lord to reprogram our database. Um, We've got this um, feature at home called a DVR. 
And the DVR stands for Digital Video Recorder. And I travel quite a bit, and uh, I've got some favorite shows that I like to watch, and so I record my shows in the DVR. Here are my top favorite shows I like to record in my DVR. Number one, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Number two, um, Family Feud. And then number three, my all-time favorite, Little House on the Perry. <laughs> Not the color version, but the black and white. If you're under 30, you probably need to Google Little House on the Perry. <laughs> and uh, I, I get home, I get home one day, and I get ready to go into my man cave, and uh, I, I go inside my DVR. Here were the shows that were in. I'm not pointing any fingers. I've got two girls that we're raising at home. But here were the shows in my DVR in this order. Wiggles. And then the second show that was in there was uh, The Housewives of Atlanta. <laughs> and then the third show uh, was Nick Cannon, Wild and Out. And I, I said, I did not program those shows in my DVR, and so I took the remote and I hit select, and I hit delete, and I deleted Wiggles. And then I deleted uh, the Housewives of Atlanta. And then I showed up, deleted Nick Cannon, Wild and Out. And then I went back in and I reprogrammed my database and I put back in there Will of Fortune. <laughs> Family Feud and then little house on the parry. And what I'm trying to say to you is when you and I become new people, the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis reprograms our database because we live in such a hostile world that negative messages are always coming in our lives. And when you and I become new people, he reprograms our database. But what else? What else happens when we dare to get outside the walls? Not only do we become a new person, but the Lord gives us a new purpose. What is the purpose? Well, it's right here in the text. You shall be witnesses unto me. Brothers and sisters, you and I are called to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the original language, this word witness were those who were literally willing to lose their lives. And you and I are called to be witnesses, but not just any witness. Notice the phrase, we're called to be witnesses to him. You and I, brothers and sisters, are called to lift high the name and the fame of the Lord Jesus Christ in every part of our life. We are called to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ this past few months all over America on Saturdays and Sundays and on Mondays and Thursdays. There are hundreds of thousands of people that gather in stadiums and they are witnesses of their favorite football team. Win, lose, or draw, they are witnesses of their football team. Well, if the Lord Jesus Christ has transformed your life. He's been as good to you as you say he's been, then why is there a silence to our witness of the Lord Jesus Christ? We are called to be witnesses of him. The Lord Jesus Christ has given you and I a purpose. We are called to tell what we know, what we've seen, and what we've heard. We are called to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my testimony this morning, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. We are called to be witnesses. 
And I believe, brothers and sisters, that as we think about getting outside the walls, getting outside the walls means we're willing to pull up our sleeves and put our hands to the plow. We're willing to engage in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether your work is on the stage or whether your work is in a small community or whether your work is in a homeless shelter or whether your work is in a food pantry or whether your work is investing in the next generation. We all are called to be engaged in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a purpose. And I'm convinced today that that purpose, no matter how you say it, that that purpose is we are called to be people that are engaged in the work of the ministry of evangelism. D.T. Now says it best. He says evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find some bread. And we're called the fine people. Did you know all around us there are people who are lost, they're on their way to hell? All around us, people are lost, and they're getting ready to spend an eternity in hell, and we're called to get them off the road to hell and on the road to heaven. We're called to find them and bring them in and then build them up and then send them out. We're called to find people. People say to me, well, Brother Willie, I don't know any lost people. Well, what world do you live in? We're called to find people. We're called to bring them in. When we bring them in, they give their hand to the preacher and their heart to the Lord. We need to celebrate the fact that they're uh, redeemed, but now the real work begins in coming alongside them and discipling them so we can build them up and then eventually send them out in order that they may engage in the work of advancing the gospel. And I believe that the purpose of the church is summed up in five words, Jesus only and only Jesus. And we must keep a laser sharp focus on our purpose. I was, um, about a month and a half ago, I was flying from Syracuse, New York, back to Nashville. And I got on the airplane and I was able to board early. And I didn't feel like being bothered with anybody that day. And so I get into my seat. I had a window seat. I put my Bose noise canceling headphones on my ears. And I plugged into my monitor on the screen. And uh, as I was sitting comfortably in my seat, uh, I looked down the aisle, and there was a man who's coming on the plane. And my spiritual antennas went up, and I discerned that he had the spiritual gift of conversation. <laughs> and uh, I was sitting in row 11, and I began praying, Lord, let him sit in row 10 or row 12, or better yet, row 25. And uh, in the divine providence of the Lord, he sits in row 11. And then my next prayer was, Lord, let him be on the aisle. I'm on the window. The Lord providentially has him sit in the middle seat. And so I felt bad for the guy that was sitting on the aisle because that hour and 45-minute flight, his spiritual gift of conversation was in full effect. And the guy never got a break. And so when we finally landed in Nashville, I unplugged my cord from the monitor. I took my Bose noise-canceling headphones out. And the Lord used this guy, and this guy looked me right in my eye, and he says, well, I see that you weren't too much interested in having a conversation today. And the Lord Jesus Christ used that to speak to me to say, we are never off duty. 
There are people all around us. They are lost and they have major life issues. And everyone has the greatest problem. And the greatest problem is lostness. And you and I have the greatest solution. And the greatest solution is Jesus. And you and I are never off duty, even when we do not feel like it. We're called to be new people. We've been given a purpose. But then finally this morning, and I'm done, we have been given a new power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why, why do we need a new power? Well, the text suggests to us that we're called to be witnesses in several places. We're called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Oftentimes, we call that the Acts 1-8 mission, that we we are called to engage in advancing the gospel at home and around the world. Jerusalem would suggest that we're called to advance the gospel in our zip code and in our community. Judea would suggest we're called to advance the gospel across this great volunteer state. Samaria, we're called to advance the gospel in North America. And then the ends of the earth, we're called to advance the gospel around the world. And the reality is this, we cannot pick and choose which one of those we want to be involved in, but we are engaged in all of these. In fact, for years, Clearview Baptist Church has been engaged in what we call the cooperative program. And as you give through your missions offering, you are able to impact all of these areas of missions and ministries. But beyond that, you have your own emphasis. Look at all of these flags that are on the stage. Look at all of these flags that flank the sanctuary that this church has taken seriously what it means to advance the gospel. And the reality is that we cannot pick and choose that we are called to engage in all of these. My college-aged daughter taught me this lesson when she was in middle school. She was at a private Christian school here in Middle Tennessee, and at the private Christian school, they had a class called Bible. And they were teaching through the book of Acts. And Dr. Land, she came home one day, she says, Daddy, you've been preaching Acts 1 and 8 wrong all these years. (laughs) She says, Daddy, whenever you preach a text, you've got to find the key word in the text. And I said, okay, well, I know what the key words are. The key words are power and spirit and Jerusalem and Judea. She says, Daddy, you don't even know your Bible. (laughs) She says, the key word in this text is the word and. And I said, and? She says, Daddy, you still don't get it. And is a conjunction. Everything that comes before it and after it, it's all together. So she says, Daddy, whenever you extra G and when you, I said, I need to double her tuition. They were teaching her how to extra G the text. She says, when you read this, Daddy, it's just say you should be on missions in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And brothers and sisters, if you and I are called to engage in all of that, you cannot do that in your own power, but you need another power. That's why the writer says that you shall receive power. Brothers and sisters, this word power has really two meanings. The first word is the word dunamis, where we get our English word dynamite from. We love to experience the dunamis power of God. We love when we gather in the sanctuary to experience the 
deep, explosive power of God. Have you ever been in a worship experience and you said, man, we felt the power of God in that worship experience. That's the dunamis power of God. But then the other word for power is the word that often goes under the radar, and that is the word exousia. Exousia means that you've been given authority, you have been given influence, you have been authorized on behalf of another to carry out something on behalf of that person. Brothers and sisters, you and I are in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, and in our kingdom we have a king, and that king is the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord Jesus Christ has authorized you and I to be witnesses here at home and around the world, and you have an authority that's been given to you by the word of God, and you can have what God's word says you can have. You can be what God says you can be, and you can do what God says that you can do. I'm done. I'll tell you this as I close. When I was growing up, uh, I didn't have my own car, but my uh, mama had a car, and I was able to drive my mama's car. And so my mama had a Chevrolet Spectrum, and uh, I told mama, I said, Mama, me and my boys, we're going to go to Hardy's. And um, we went by Hardy's, and we went to the club. And uh, we, we get to the club, and back then, we didn't have cellular devices. We had a little black book. Do I have any black book Christians in the house today? And uh, the, the goal that night was to get as many phone numbers as you can get. And back then, my nickname was Mac Daddy. And um, so that night, my, my friends, we were in the club, and we were getting all these phone numbers, and then get back to my mama's car, and my mama's car went and cranked, and I panicked. And I said, Mama going to kill me, Mama going to kill me, Mama going to kill me. I told Mama I'm going to Hardy's and I'm at the club and Mama's car won't crank. And so Pastor Jason, my friends, began to laugh. I said, you better stop laughing because if my Mama's car doesn't crank up, we're going to be walking back home. And so this man came over. He said, son, what's going on? And I panicked. I said, Mama going to kill me, Mama going to kill me, Mama. I told Mama I'm going to Hardy's. I'm at the club, Mama's car. He said, son. Calm down. I was so uh, naive in auto mechanic terms, Brother Archer. He told me, he said, son, pop your hood. And I did. I popped the hood. <laughs> and uh, so we finally got the hood open. And then he goes inside his truck. He pulls out some jump ropes I had never seen before. One end of the jump rope was red, and the other end of the jump rope was black. I said, what are you going to do with a jump rope? The battery in my mama's car won't crank. He said, son, calm down. So then he took the, later I found out there were jumper cables. He took the cables, and he connected them to the battery in my mama's car. And then he connected them to the batteries in his truck. And then he used another term. He said, all right, son, give it some gas. I said, how? am I going to put gas in the car and the car won't even crank? He said, son, turn it on. And the car said, choo -choo 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 -choo. and I panicked. I said, mama going to kill me, mama going to kill me, mama going to And then finally, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you this morning, the only reason I'm still standing here is because he told me to crank that car up again. I turned that car, my mama still didn't know about that till this day. I cranked that car up, that car 
crunked up and I drove on home, what happened? Well, what happened was that when he cooked up that battery cable from his battery to the battery in my mama's car, then power transferred from that battery to the battery in my mama's car. And when that power transferred, that power allowed the car to crank up well over 2,000 years ago. The Lord Jesus Christ saw that you and I were dead in our trespasses and sin. He knew that we could not in our own power perpetuate for our sins, but a price had to be paid. And the Lord Jesus Christ sent his son from heaven to earth to be the perpetuation for our sins. He reached out from heaven to earth to be that power, but then the power sealed itself when the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on Calvary's cross. His arm was stretched wide, letting people know that every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, he died on that cross. They put him in a bar tomb. He stayed there all night Friday. He stayed there all night Saturday. But early on that Sunday morning, the Father raised my Jesus from the dead with all power in his hands. Say yes. Say yes. Outside these walls, outside the walls, are folk that have no hope. But inside the walls, we know who our hope is. And our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.